So welcome once again to uh, another episode of the Wiki Weekdays podcast, the podcast where we scour the lengths and breadths of the internet to find wikis on a subject we're interested in and make them compete against one another to see which one is more entertaining to go through for you, our lovely audience at home, both on YouTube and podcast services everywhere. Listen to how professional that was. That was <laughs> so good. That was so good. And as always, I'm your host, Cal Smallwood. I'm joined um, uh, by my illustrious co-host, Lucas Holland. Hi there. I've, um, if anyone's wondering, visual watchers, you know, visual listeners. When you like get I super just, gangster, yeah. Yeah, put my um, hand inside a vegetable cutter and it turns out they also cut fingers, so. Oh, I think the worst like cut I've ever had on my hand is like, do you know, ring pulls on beans and stuff. Oh, do yeah. You, do, you, do you when you push it in so like, you know, you can rinse it out properly and you've got, I pushed it in and my fingers got stuck inside <laughs> and then like just by accident, oh no, pulled it out and then scraped all the thing, like the blood oh. off these two fingers here and started to have them wrapped up for two weeks. So everywhere I was going, I was like Dodon Ray and like, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, uh, welcome to the podcast this week and uh, yeah, if anyone's unfamiliar with the format, which me and Lucas have gone out, we found a wiki entry on something we're interested in or think would be interesting to discuss and Loosely, the theme for this month, with it being spooky season, has been something spooky, scary, or um, uh, just like related to those fields. And mm-hmm. I've got one I'm excited to talk about, but Luke, I believe you're going first this week. I am going first this week. And this week, I'm not sure what is necessarily scarier, mm-hmm. like the the media itself or the the things surrounding the media, like the story around it. Okay, so I'm I'm curious to see what this is. And just as a reminder before we delve into it, folks at home, if you'd like to vote on which wiki won this week, after you've listened to the podcast, of course, just whichever of the wikis we've covered um, was the most interesting to you or reveal stuff you didn't know, just let us know in the comments by saying which wiki won this week or just moan about something we say that you don't agree with. Either way, mm-hmm. it's analytics and we appreciate it. Yeah, and also remember to you know give us a review on podcast services if you are listening over there. After you've finished watching. <laughs> yeah. So I, I appreciate the balls it takes to just be like, hey, um uh so you like smash that like button before they even showed you the content. Like, like you'll have like some knob over the seconds haircut. in, remember to subscribe to the channel. Like my last video got five hundred likes, let's get this onto a thousand. Alright, hit that. It's like you're two minutes in, I'm already annoyed with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, just when, show um, the thing. When you're listening to a podcast and they open with like, Hi, welcome to this podcast. Rate us five stars on your podcast service. It's like I've not listened to the podcast yet. I don't know whether it's a five-star podcast. The thing is, that's literally a Simpsons joke where they're talking about each other join the Navy episode. Mm. And it's like, there's like, you know, subliminal and superliminal. And it's like, what's <laughs> superliminal? It's like, hey, watch this. Hey, you, join the Navy. And they just go, eh. That's what it is. <laughs> just like, hey, you, rate my podcast five stars. And like half people just go, sure. <laughs> okay, I guess. Just people really don't like um, uh, any sort of drama or conflicts, like even if that conflict is entirely imagined. <laughs> oh, but anyway, the wiki that I have brought this week for you, Carl, okay, is that we are going to be talking about the very spooky Callisto Protocol. Okay, I'm I'm down to talk about this because yeah, Callisto Protocol, one of the biggest disappointments for me this year in regards to games. Mm-hmm. Like this year, I think has been like a gangbuster year for video games, and it's not even finished yet. We've got the new Mario game coming out, the new Spider Man games coming out. Before there people is... jump on Carl, it did come out last December, but many people obviously played it like this year. Yeah, basically, like I see it the same way as you at the Oscars of like the Game Awards are in like February. 
end of a year. So anything that comes out afterwards or around that time. Yeah, like, you know, like, basically it's been like 12 months of video gaming. I think it, I think it released like within the week of Game Awards. So people just like conflate it with 2023 rather than 2022. Because like December in gaming, like it just you might as well just give up. It's a grace period, isn't it? Like if a film comes out in December, like you consider it set part of that same year because chances mm-hmm. are you've interacted with it like the week after. Because like Christmas is kind of that weird nebulous period. But yeah, one of my biggest disappointments like of the year there was that. And it was like going head to head with Dead Space. We had Dead Space remake. We had RE4 mm-hmm. remake. We had Baldur's Gate, which I my game of the year. I mean, my third playthrough of that game. It is fucking phenomenal. There has it's- been like, you know, fighting games, like another genre I enjoy. We've had Street Fighter 6. Tekken 8 is on its way out. Mm-hmm. We've got the uh, Mortal Kombat 1. And so just an absolute sequel to my favorite game of all time. Tears of the Kingdom came out this year oh, as well. Yeah, like, I forgot about Tears of the Kingdom. That like, came out. That came out like what four or five months ago, and there's been so many big games since then that people, like some people, literally keep forgetting about it. And I guess as well, yeah, we've also had like um, Starfield. People like Starfield. Mm-hmm. I know that was like a couple of people that I know said that that's their game of the year. Yeah, like they had the Cyberpunk basically came out this year because they fixed it after the <laughs> they three years. They finally stopped nonsense. lying to us for three years. And then Callisto Protocol was just. It, it was it was there. It happened, and it's you know as I say it did come out December twenty twenty two, but it's been within the last year for us as of recording. And yeah, it is a twenty twenty two survival horror game developed by Striking Distance Studio and which published no by Crafton, which no longer no, no they exist. It's just like the the guy in charge just left and he just fucked off. The the creator Glenn Schofield, who uh, who was, I really you know, like as a creator, is a really good. Um, uh, Director, yeah. and he was, um, you know, headed headed part of the Dead Space franchise. He was like very creatively involved in that. Yeah, he was uh, all like the lead you know, creators behind like why it was so good. Yeah, and took that you know Dead Space money, made Striking Distance Studios, made Callisto Protocol, and then the moment Quit. the DLC dropped, he just wiped his hands and left. Went, I'm done. And I think as well, Callisto Protocol is such a disappointment for me personally. One of our first episodes of Wiki Weekends on this channel was about Dead Space, and I spent most of it shitty. Clock, yeah. I spent most of it talking about how bad and disappointing Callisto Protocol is. And yeah, it's uh, obviously you know we can take a bit of a step back and look at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. now that like the heat has worn off for you a little bit in terms yeah. of like, that you were like fresh and. And hot and ready to talk about like how bad Callisto Protocol was then, but um, I think as well like me and you just over the weekend when we hung out, just we sat down for like half an hour, just going, "What a disappointment!" So, like, yeah, think- that's what reminded me. So, like, maybe we should talk about now, like now that the story is pretty much over with Callisto Protocol with the creator fucking off. It's like, yeah. I always hoped that there'd be DLC that fixed it, because did that DLC ever come out? That DLC did just come out recently, and uh, to, as you can probably tell from the fact that Carl didn't know it happened, it didn't come out so much resonance. No. Like, not many people talked about it past, like, release day. I think the number one issue, the thing that could have saved it, or at the very least had more people be okay with it, is it didn't release with New Game Plus. They right. save New Game Plus as DLC. Well, well, that was free, admittedly, but you know, and you can see the, like the line of thinking of people play the game, they'll enjoy the experience, they'll go away, they'll forget about it. We'll announce New Game Plus, they'll come back, they'll play it again. Mm-hmm. But 
as the people who made Dead Space, they should have realized like New Game Plus is like, I don't know about you, but I, I very rarely go back and replay games months or years later, unless like they are particularly, you know, um, uh, in line with like my personality. There's a couple of games I replay every mm-hmm. year, but there's so many games now. Like Baldur's Gate resonate with me. I've replayed that three times, but mm-hmm. I've replayed that because the ability to replay it's there. If they just said you could play it once and you're done. Yeah, speaking of a game that had New Game Plus that made me go back and like complete RE4. challenges within, RE4 Remake, I've got 135 hours in RE4 Remake. Can you imagine if there was no game, that game did not release with New Game Plus? I would have would have just played it once and put it down. Yeah. But instead, I've played through that game like 18 times. Because like you like the idea of going through with all your upgrades. And, because that's the thing, when I went through the game, I guess we'll get into it, just, I was like, okay, now I've like actually mastered and learn the mechanics, this might be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. But by the time I'd done that, the game was basically ended, and the only enemies I were fighting. Do you know that problem of, like, they introduce new... Like, the Batman problem, I call it. Of mm. The combat in that game is so fun, but for some reason, the developers think they don't have faith in how fun the combat is, so they introduce enemies that neuter a part of your moveset, so that you have to, like, you know, basically turn combat into a puzzle. But mm-hmm. all it really ends up doing is pissing you off. I guess it's more close to like the Spider-Man problem, like you talk about the Spider-Man DLC introducing enemies that specifically counter half of Spider-Man's moveset, which means mm-hmm. it's just not fun to play. Yeah, and I think they learned a lesson with Miles Morales kind of backing off on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there's enemies that can count your moveset, but just Miles can just press a button and get rid of them. Yeah, basically. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things of like, for anyone wondering why I've completed RE4 so many times, it's like, it's fun. Both it and the Separate Ways DLC, they have unlockables, they have challenges, they have timers, they have scores, which is unfortunate because the scores are only tied to like time, the yeah. time of completion of the game. And then on the professional mode, you can only save a certain amount of times as well. Yeah, and it's just one of those things like once you realize that it kind of does take away from it a bit, but just the fact as well, there's like 50 different weapons you can play through the game with. Like, I'm going to mm. now do, go do a run with shotgun. I never used shotguns last time. Let's go see how good shotguns are. I didn't fully upgrade this pistol. Let's go see what this pistol can do. Or like, for example, I've got two challenges left. One of them is like S plus rank, the professional mode, because like a lot of my playthroughs for challenges, I'll just like put it on normal mode so I can blitz through and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the professional mode, you've got to like pay a bit more attention and stuff. And anytime you die, you go back to your last save, but you're only allowed a limited amount of saves. So you yeah, can it's, lose, it's, like, 20, 30 minutes of progress at a time. Um, well, you can get that to play Baldur's Gate in the game or crash. <laughs> it'll crash like, halfway through a conversation, and you'll be like, fuck, and then you'll be like, I'm going to replay it anyway. This, I've got, like, two challenges left, and it's, like, S plus rank on uh, pro mode, and then do professional mode without any of the bonus weapons. So only the weapons the game that, like, you. the game gives you throughout that you can buy and stuff. But the catty is that you'll unlock for doing S plus rank, they mean that you can infinitely reload without ammo or anything. So, like, mm. essentially, ammo becomes a non-equation. So I was like, well, if I go through the game S plus rank, get the cat ears, that challenge doesn't stop me using cat ears, so then I can go through and just, like, use a shotgun and not worry about ammo and mm. just have infinite shotgun with my cat ears. And, and you then think that'll you're really make smart that challenge really easy. And it's yeah. just, like figuring out like that Mega Man style of like, well, I beat that boss first. That boss's item helps with that boss next. And it's like 
figuring out what challenges to do to get you certain things to help with other challenges. But wouldn't you prefer if you finished the game and it just told you to fuck off? <laughs> just the thing as well, I, 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 it's baffling to me because I, I know I, we went through their reasoning. That's no doubt that was their reasoning. In a month or two, we'll announce it. People will come back. Mm-hmm. But all it really feels like is, is like, do you like Fallout 3 where you finish the game? Mm. And it literally, in an RPG, that's open world, they literally just end the game and say, okay, your character died, fuck off, start again. <laughs> and you just feel so robbed. Yeah. And you just turn the game, and I think like everyone else, I just turn the game off. Yeah, yeah, same. Because I went, fuck this. It's like and that. eventually when like the game of the year came out, they, um, yeah. the game of the year edition came out, I got all the DLC from that, and then one of the DLCs that you had to buy gave you the ability to continue your story. And again, you can tell why they put that in. Because they were like, mm-hmm. oh, people will be so attached to the world and the character, they'll pay money to bring their character back. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, fuck you. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a shame because like, a lot of games do this. And I think they maybe followed the um, teachings of like these PlayStation games where like God of War 2018 was like, oh, hey, six months later, here's an update for New Game Plus with like an extra armor set and a new difficulty mode. The reason that works, though, is because God of War was 80 hours. You don't want to immediately replay God of War again because you've just had an 80-hour gaming experience. Mm-hmm. That's why it works for that, because... And obviously, Callisto- God of War is, like, 80 hours for Cole because Cole platinumed it or whatever, but... Yeah. Well, like- you know, it's a story-based game. That's re- it's, at the very least, you're going to spend 40, 50 hours. No mm-hmm. one just... Ju- so, you know what? I'll just jump in and play a little bit of God of War. RE4, once you've played that, you can finish it in, what, three hours, two hours? Uh, yeah, I normally finish in like three to four. Yeah, that's I mean. You can finish it in an evening while just like, you know, binge watching a show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Callisto Protocol is the same way. And it's that thing of like, that's why you want New Game Plus for. So you just want to just jump straight back in. It's a game that you can just like drag and drop. And, you know, it would really help if uh, the Callisto Protocol had as fun gameplay as RE4 did, but so we'll get, get into that. So go on, tell me about Callisto Protocol. Well, uh, first of all, we'll just go. Go for an overview. I know we've talked about this for like nearly 15 minutes, but just an overview of what the Callisto Protocol actually is. Yep. Uh, the game's story follows Jacob Lee, played by Josh Dumel, a starship captain who survives a crash landing on the Jovian moon Callisto, mm-hmm. only to be captured and incarcerated against his will in a high-security prison. He is subsequently forced to fight for survival when a mysterious illness sweeps the prison and gradually learns the dark secrets of his captors. The gameplay has players exploring a series of levels, gathering resources, collecting data logs, while fighting off infected prisoners. Hmm. So it's just dead space, but kind of like, you know, you've got dead space at home. It's literally that. In prison. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's literally, can we change some of the stuff around? And the thing is, that's fine. I think we talked about it earlier. It's fine. Glenn Schofield helped craft, shape, the vision of what Dead Space became. And I think mm-hmm. there's a quote from him, isn't there, of like when he got asked, isn't this too similar to Dead Space? You know, well, if you want to rip something off, you might as well rip off my own stuff. <laughs> it's like, I helped like design most of these systems. Why would I not rip them off? They're good systems. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they didn't take the RE4 style gameplay that the original Dead Space was kind of gleaming. Yeah, like, I uh, which, which I think the remake has basically refined to a mirror sheen. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got some problems with the melee not having enough iframes on there, but besides that, like that run-and-gun thing of like the frantic stat stopping and shooting an enemy and make, having to choose between running away 
and shooting. I, I, it's such a good yeah. way to like make a survival horror game feel like there's, a, there's always a persistent threat. They also, you know, in RE4, for example, like the with it being like a, a one of those remakes made by Capcom where they like actually reimagine the game, not like the Dead Space remake, which was just like we are like full on just remaking this game as it was. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, RE4 like even kind of added the ability to slowly move while aiming, which the Only original bit, didn't yeah. have. You were like planted, but it doesn't do it so much that you feel too powerful. No, and but the beauty of it is, I think the thing we talked about is like Dead Space and RE4 are amazing games because you basically get three experiences. The first mm. time you go through, you it's a survival horror game because yeah. you are surviving barely, like you know, a lot of the time because the game has that weird system where the worse you're doing, the more help you get. Well, the better you do, the more like it just says fuck you, mm-hmm. which means that it's always a constant challenge. At least when you're going through it for the first or second time, the second mm-hmm. time through you're a bit more confident. It's a bit more actiony. Because now you've got you've got all your guns, so you're more powerful, so you feel more confident, so you're a bit more aggressive. Third, fourth, or fifth time through, like you you and me have been through now, it's like you're just an absolute god beast, and you are going through and you are like picking off enemies from a mile away, and now it's a full-on action game. Or you're just like running around with like an infinite rocket launcher or something. Yeah, yeah. for the catharsis. But you go from like it's three games in one, essentially, depending on how much effort you want to put into like learning those systems. Well, in an RE4 remake, it's a fourth game where when you start playing on professional mode, the first 10 minutes of the game is like, right, okay, so you've got no save to go back to. You've got to just start again. And the first encounter is like five minutes long with hyper-aggressive enemies that grab you and a chainsaw man that insta-kills you. And it's just like every time you go through it and you just run in from this chainsaw like yesterday when I was like, fuck it, I'll, I've got the hand cannon on all the I'll just put the hand cannon in my inventory to deal with this guy. Yeah. Headshotted the chainsaw dude five times with the hand cannon magnum. And he just walked it off and killed me. So do you remember when like me and you were at mine playing mercenaries mode and we got really drunk? And you <laughs> saw me absolutely fucking annihilate all the enemies. And then like we got to like the last enemy, and then from behind I think like an enemy teleported in because they got hit by my <laughs> grenade. And teleported towards me with the chainsaw like hitbox out and insta killed me. And I I literally threw my controller on the floor. No. And you just burst out laughing because of how unfair it was. It was like Luis had killed 149 out of 150 enemies. And then the double chainsaw dude just frenzied across the entire map and just insta killed you. And we just both were. And but I think the thing that sums up how good the game is that I picked up the controller, like, okay, one more. <laughs> and do you know what I never had that with? Callisto Protocol. Because every time I died in that game, I got progressively more pissed off. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it's I made a mistake or it's because, like, you know, okay, I could have done a bit better. It's like in that game, it's just, no, fuck this game. Well, in that the case. The system we'll, doesn't give me enough control. We'll talk about that system, Carl, because in it. Callisto Protocol's gameplay, players assume the role of Jacob Lee from a third person perspective. His health is indicated by an implant on the back of his neck called a core device. Which I will say and sucks. I, I get it. They're trying to rip off the rig. The rig was amazing. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Um, uh, like, just idea of contextualizing the amount of health your character has and means that you're never safe in a menu because you don't go to a menu. Mm-hmm. The rig, though, is all the way down Isaac's spine. It's nice and clean. Oh, yeah. Dead. It was, like, tiny in Callisto Protocol, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so the rig, people don't know, it's just this big, long line that goes down the back of Isaac's suit, and it's, like, blue. Or it's, mm-hmm. like, greeny-blue. And the more like, time you take, the less it goes. Like, green-blue, yeah. And it's Very contextualized, visible. And it's contextualized in-universe, which I love. 
have been it's mining equipment and it just lets people know at us at a glance how you're doing say if you get injured they can look and see if you're okay it also mm-hmm. like stands away for people to know where you are they rip that off for Callisto Protocol, but they make it like a tiny implant in the back of your neck. That's so small, you can barely see how much health you've got left. And that also includes a separate meter for how much like energy you have for your kinesis ripoff, which is even mm-hmm. smaller. And you can also barely see. Yeah, I remember looking at like reviews for Callisto Protocol because the critical reception and Carl's impression turned me off the game. So I didn't end up playing it, but like I find the story of the game quite interesting in terms of like the development and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just seeing the gameplay and being like, "Oh, that's what the equivalent of the rig is." Like that's tiny. That's Joe, almost not visible. Joe, you know it feels like it feels like it should be the opposite way around. Of like they had the idea for that in Dead Space One, and then but it like was the tiny, re- and then they they made that mistake, and then like in sequels they improved it and made it bigger and more visible yeah yeah do you like the text in like dead rising where the, de- the text was so small <laughs> because they just didn't realize it mm-hmm. feels like that of it, it's it's they learned the right lesson from it like it's a phenomenal bit of like world build it's good world building and it's like just it contextualizes why you can just see your health at all times but also means that you never feel safe because you don't go into a pause menu to heal anymore mm-hmm. just do it but they didn't quite get why it worked, even though the person who basically helped like usher in that decision was on the lead creative, and surely they would have known. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like we know that Glenn Schofield didn't make Dead Space himself. He's not a one man army that created this game, but he was heavily inspirational within the franchise, and like he also as well played the game, presumably. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so, <laughs> but like. It, it's just very bizarre to see how well Dead Space did so many things. What, 15 years prior to yeah, that's it. then Callisto Protocol not learning from the lessons of the game where, like, the same, one of the same, like, main creative people were involved? It feels like a game that would have come out immediately after Dead Space that someone was trying to ape its systems and just didn't understand why they worked. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a game that released with, like, as you said, a decade and a half of hindsight and one of the lead creative forces, and like the addition of all this extra knowledge, like it feels like a huge step backwards, and I don't understand how they thought that was equivalent of like, but you can barely see it. You um, can barely see yeah. what's going on. Like, and I guess like the rig is so elegant a, a solution, like I can't think of one that would have been more... Uh, I, it's, it's hard to do better than the rig, if not just outright copy it, because... But if you do I'd that, still do argue that the rig, the rig and the systems in Dead Space, like, may, you know, maybe more Dead Space Two, but like the the rig, they nailed from moment one and second one, yeah. It is still maybe, it you know, the best way of displaying health in a game, in you know that diegetic way. Yeah, I, of, I've like, never. There's no other game has done it better. You know, we've had the red jelly on the outside of the screens for years and years. And even then, you've like still got a health meter at the bottom of your screen. Health, health bars in like the top or bottom of your screen or whatever. That's the thing worth, yeah, that's worth, thing, worth pointing out. Because when you're playing Dead Space, you can quite literally have nothing on screen. Like One of my favorite options in Dead Space is turning off the UI. Because you don't need it. And well, you just have the, the entire the UI game. built into Isaac's elements. Because yeah. you pause screen... It comes up Isaac's chest. It's so good, and yeah. Like 
ho- like it's a holographic display and the game continues playing. Your compass, you press the right stick in or whatever the equivalent is, what you've got a map to. Isaac holds and, his hand out and an arrow appears. Yep, yeah, and then you've got your health on the back. You've got your ammo, uh, again, appears okay. as a little, like, holographic number above your gun. Like, the every, gun yeah, displays it itself. It's so elegant. And the fact that no game since, that I'm aware of at least, has managed to even come close to how seamless like that integration is. And it's baffling that with, again, like a decade and a half of hindsight. They really, I guess it would be difficult to improve upon, mm-hmm. but didn't refine it in any way and, in fact, made it worse. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things of it does say um, somewhere I did note in the um, yeah just going down ahead a mm. bit for the development section like the um, striking distance was formed as a studio with within the PUBG Corporation um, in yeah, June twenty nineteen. So that means that from June twenty nineteen to December twenty twenty two. They had like two and a half years to make the game, and maybe a lot of this is just like a lot of that of like the forming of the studio, not even the start of development on the game. Mm-hmm. Forming of the studios two and a half years before the game came out, and like if people don't know, a lot of games nowadays that are of this production level take maybe four or five years to come out. Yeah, and I imagine like a lot of the um, the groundwork was already done because you know it's an idea Glenn Schofield had for so long. So imagine, like, you know, and with someone like a singular creative vision, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, one person at the helm who knows exactly what they want, I guess like, it would make things a little bit easier. Yeah, and it, it is weird because, like, you know, on paper, people were clamoring for more Dead Space by this point because... I, I, I was so excited about this game. Like, the guy who yeah. made Dead Space is going to, like, you say, oh, fuck it, I'm going to make my own Dead Space with Blackjack and Hookers. No longer constrained by, like, there's going to be no fucking shitty DLC or mini buys <laughs> or anything in that. And then they put DLC and mini buys in it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whether that's decisions made by the studio or the publisher, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the, the fact that no one, to at least this level of production, like the, the you know, the triple A quality game, quote unquote, um, Kind of, no one really ripped off Dead Space. No, I think it's because Dead Space was such a unique idea and it took a risk. Because survival horror is generally not the most profitable of genres to go into. Like, Resident Evil is an exception to that. Like, Resident Evil 4 was like an unprecedented, unexpected success. And many games try to rip off the gameplay style, but never the tone. The thing is, Carl. Resident Evil 6 was an unprecedented success. Yeah, I st- it still pissed me off that made as much money as it did. But then, like, but Dead Space was even riskier because it leaned even harder into the survival horror aspects, but also yeah. an area that's also even less popular, which is sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why no one tried to like, rip off the tone established by it, because like, it was just too much of a risk. And as well, you know, EA made each game progressively more action-heavy, Mm-hmm. As did Resident Evil four, five to six. Like they they're very similar kind of development trilogy pathway, but um, And you can see, and you can see the quality getting worse with each one until they realised, oh, okay, we need to like, you know, scale it back. And it's a shame Dead Space never got like the R E seven treatment of like, okay, let's scale it back and go back to basics. However Horror. we do have the Dead Space remake, which is a sign that maybe EA 
have seen potential in the franchise again because they did give up on it after Dead Space 3 and that made people want a new game like a Callisto Protocol to come out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by this point, you know, when you've had it, like I think it was about 10 years between like Dead Space 3 and Callisto and it's like people were hungry for a new Dead Space for like 10 years and who better to do it than the guy that helped make Dead Space? And it's, it's, it's bizarre the way it went. Well, yeah, it's like the game itself. It's like me and you when we talked about it. Of it's fundamentally unfun to play because the entire premise of the game, or at least the gameplay, sorry, is just not fun. Which I guess we can get into now. Yeah, I, literally the rest of the gameplay segment here is just Jacob can use weapons to combat enemies, as well as a melee system to dodge enemy attacks while looking for openings to strike and kill them. Both combat styles can be mixed up, providing greater variety when facing enemy types. And Carl, does that sound like what Callisto Protocol actually plays like? No, so the way the game works is there is a melee system, as it says, where you swing your stun baton. In your stun baton, you have a light attack and a heavy attack, which doesn't matter. It might as well be the same fucking thing, because all it does is... You just swing and the enemy dies. And mm -hmm. the entire game is built around this system to the point where the final boss is... Do you like... I describe it as being a step above the final boss of The Order. Do you remember like, the final boss of that was basically a quick time event and everyone said it sucked ass? See, I don't and, and then they did the same boss twice. About, I don't remember much about The Order, but that was the one that was like trying to be essentially a film with a game like kind of slopped on yeah. top. And it had yeah. all the super cool, interesting weapons in there. Like you had like Nikola Tesla was like a partner and he gave you like anti-werewolf guns. But the, the final boss fight is a cutscene with a quick time. Oh. There. It's one step above that where the final fight is you press left and then you press right. So the way the combat works is, is when an enemy swings at you, you press left or you press right to dodge their attack. And then they can attack multiple times after that, but no more than three times because that'd be too much. Mm -hmm. And I remember, and I think... Everyone who played this game had the exact same thing of dying repeatedly to enemies because they couldn't figure out how the system works. Because the system is so much more simple than it actually seems to be. Because you think in your head, it's like you see an enemy swing with its right hand. And you think, and it's really obvious, and it's, there's a lot of emphasis placed on the fact that it's swinging from the right. Mm. And the game tells you of like dodge to the right or the left in time with the enemy's swing. So your natural assumption there is, well, you... Like, you know, and it, you, you can justify like dodging away or dodging. So, like, for me, it's like I dodge into it because iframes. Like, you dodge right. in to like go under the arm and then you've got kind of like the parry mentality in your yeah. head. But ultimately, you can see it from the other perspective of you can dodge away because you want to go away from when the swing well, is going to hit you. You know what would be a really fun idea with you describing it in that way mm -hmm. is you have a, a system where like you can either, as a, you know, again, dodge or parry kind of thing of like mm -hmm. hold away and you'll just like go away from the moot attack and you'll just dodge it mm -hmm. or perfect time push into it risk reward yeah so exactly it's riskier, but then you get a, a, a counter attack that'd be yep. fun right the way the system mm -hmm. actually works is it doesn't matter whether you press left or you press right in fact you don't even have to press it if you walk around constantly holding left so your character walks like a jackass you are invincible <laughs> Because the game is programmed to, if you are holding left or right, regardless of from which direction you are attacked or from which, like, which arm your enemy uses to attack you, 
you will dodge it. And then all you have to do is switch to the other side. So any enemies that like jump scare out at you from around a corner, if you're well, holding left while you're walking, you insta-dodge the first You insta-dodge, and no matter what... No matter what happens next, even if the enemy comes behind you, if you hold right, again, you'll dodge it. So effectively, every combat encounter in the game is hold left, press right, left, right, left, right, with absolutely no timing, which sounds mm-hmm. easy. The problem is, when the entire gameplay is built around the melee, I went through the entire... There's got to be more to it. There has to be something I'm missing. Like It can't be press left or right, because the entire game was sold on the fact of this melee system. There has to be more depth to it. There has to be a way to, like, if I dodge it perfectly, I'll get, like, a special animation or, like, you know, I'll get behind the enemy and get a cool kill. Screech saying, nope, left and right. And so many people died so much because they, like myself, assumed that there has to be more depth to this. Mm -hmm. It can't just be you press one button because that fucking sucks. And it is. And that's the entire game. The entire game is left and right. On top of that, didn't you say that, like, there's a bunch of guns, but not any other melee weapons. Yeah, so the entire game is built around melee. So you think, well, how do you make that interesting? Give you like 15 different melee weapons with different mm-hmm. combos, different attacks, different stats. Make one swing faster, one swing slower. One hits harder. One one is better suited for this enemy. Or customize it in a way like this. You can customize it, but the, basically you end up customizing it to do the same thing regardless because the upgrade path is the same no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And then you have guns, and it's like you have like eight different guns, but one melee weapon. And it's like it should be the way around. I should have one gun that shit. Oh, my camera went off. You can still hear me there, right? I can hear you still, yeah. Okay, so my but camera Carl went has off. Died, so give him a I, minute. I guess I'll fix that in the um, uh, when we take a break after we're done. But yes. yeah, so I've just disappeared for a second. So I apologize. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> they've got eight different guns, one melee weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's like why. Why is it not the other way around? You have one shit gun, but then like eight different melee weapons that you can customize and like they react in different ways. Yeah. And it's a. I was just going to quickly like scroll through just the reception of the game. Let's go, yeah. And it's a real oh, shame. Go to like, the cast. Well, I, I was literally about to say it's a real shame because as I was scrolling down, it's not got a cast section, but it does have just a bit where it's like shows pictures of Do- Josh Dumel. Karen Fukuhara and Sam Witwer, and I was like, wait, that sounds awesome. Yeah. The thing is, though, Joe, how much of the game Karen Fukuhara's in? What a minute. Not enough. Because Karen Fukuhara is an amazing... She's One, she's an amazing actress. She's an amazing voice actress, and she's a huge fucking dork. Perfect. Yeah, Karen Fukuhara and Sam Witwer have done a bunch of voice work, which is obviously very important for video games. Yeah, and Sam Witwer, also great actor, Fantastic voice actor, huge fucking dork. To the point where he's the <laughs> character you get like the Kinesis module off of. And he mm. specifically did his own mocap and he mocapped it as if he was using the force. <laughs> because he was in like the Force Unleashed. So he specifically mocapped it like he's using the force as a mm. nod to the fact he played like a character who had force powers. And uh, he's in, again, he's in the game for about five minutes. Isn't it like he gets like, a, a, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I heard, like, in the intro, he gets, like, thrown out of a space window. Yeah. And then he comes back, and he's, like, the final boss. Yeah, he comes back. Uh, just, he... like, out of nowhere, just final boss time. But you know what, as well? He comes back as the final boss and turns into a giant monster. Oh. Instead of being, like, <laughs> Sam Witwer with force powers fighting you using the... Like, using the... Because imagine, like, it's the same power set as you. 
Mm-hmm. You can, in your head, you can see it, can't you, of having like a one-on-one sword battle with force powers against Sam Witwer. And it's like, oh, it's just like a Star Wars game that we never got. Because mm-hmm. like, if they'd have changed, like, that'd have been a DLC, a fucking laser weapon. Give me a yeah. lightsaber. It's like, no, it's like, it's a plasma cutter. And they could call it, they could make the joke of like, it's a, oh, it's a plasma cutter. And they could have that with force powers and imagine how much more fun that game would be for New Game Plus. Yeah. And I thought of that in five seconds. Why is that not in the game? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. And, you know, we'll, a lot of this is just it, like... It could have okay. been a Star Wars. You could have had a lightsaber and force powers, yeah. Lucas. That would have been... Oh, they, that that frustrates me here when you say that. Like, make it a DLC weapon. Like, Joe, New Game Plus, you finish it like S rank. Exactly. Go game. Like, Power weapon again, is a lightsaber. Less than three years of development. Like, a lot of this is like screaming out to me of like they didn't have enough time and I would presume that that's the publisher's fault like pushing it forward but you, you never know we don't know it doesn't say here and um, even said like the at some point uh, September 2022 Schofield released a tweet uh, what, what next a tweet um, outlining development on the game that some interpreted as a glorification of crunch culture, which led to yeah. an online black backlash, and then they deleted the tweet later and issued an apology. Yeah, but it's like, it seems like they just crunched for a couple of years and like not. I I say shout this game out. Not that it doesn't have elements that are very good and like well worked, but just it is seemingly just needed a lot more time to bake in that oven. I can see a game where, like, it's like Ari. Like, the guns are basically useless, but I'm imagining a world where you get, like, a headshot with one of your guns and run over and do, like, a cool flourish with a weapon, mm-hmm. and you have, like, eight different melee weapons that all have different flourishes and, like, effects and combos. Yeah. And, like, the force powers could be used in, like, interesting ways. It's like, oh, you can throw them into environmental hazards, but here's a fun fact. Almost every enemy in the game resists it until you upgrade it, and once it's upgraded, you're basically <sighs> at the end of the game. Oh, so I, God. The and then it would have been fun to then at least have a new game plus option to then go and, like, annihilate all of those enemies early game. Yeah, also, like, the way the force powers work is really sad, like, really bad because you have a, a finite amount of ability to hold an enemy in place. The problem is you can't tell how much that is because it's attached to a little thing on your neck. So you'll mm. get a moment where you drag an enemy towards you to, like, you know, finish them off, but then, like, they'll break out of the force grip and kill you. Oh. I'm just imagining a world now where, like, one of your finishers is just like, oh, you grab an enemy and slam him into the ground. And you know what? It's one of those as well of, like, look, you're a brand new studio making your first game. Make Callisto Protocol, which Metacritic-wise is sitting at 68 PC, uh, 69 PS5, 70 on Xbox. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Cool. Go back. They sold a couple of million units. Like, get it, you know average reviews that are kind of like you know middling make a sequel yeah that's what you do like you take all the feedback you, you take your lumps you lick your wounds you come back like dead space did dead space got i think dead space was reviewed a lot better because of how like um just different it was but dead space took all the feedback of like and when they went and made dead space 2 one of the best video games of all time mm-hmm. like do that take your feedback like refine your systems come back and give sam Witwer a lightsaber Meanwhile, in September 2023, Schofield, along with Chief Operating Officer, the COO, uh, Stacey Harata, and Chief Financial Officer, the CFO, Johnny Sue, 
resigned from Striking Distance Studio due to poor reception of the game. It's like, is that just... It, does that now mean the death of the studio? We don't know yet. Obviously, we can't predict the future. I'm hoping that is the case of, like, look, management was poor on this. We're all backing the fuck off. Hopefully, that studio can go make a great sequel. I would love it, yeah. Because, like I said, there's... There's the kernel of a great idea there because it's just Dead Space mm. and Dead Space was a great idea. It's Dead yeah. Space, but the focus is now on melee instead of guns. Perfect. What a great way to distinguish yourself from this series. Mm-hmm. Why um, the fuck can you not customize your melee weapon? Like, you know, even if it is, lower your production value a bit. Like, this game was a very expensive game, didn't meet its sales targets. Look, rein it in a little bit. As you say, can't like, take the feedback and then just go make a great sequel. Like, I, I so hope that that's the story that we'll be saying in, like, you know, three, four, five years' time, is that it's a game the Callisto Protocol like 2, like, bounced back and made this, like, cool, incredible redemption story, but it doesn't give me much faith when, faith when everyone in charge just is like, fuck it, I'm out. It's like, oh, come on. It's, like just, it's a game where you can force toss zombies into a meat grinder <laughs> and they somehow yeah, some make the, up they had really cool ideas with someone like the like upping the environmental interaction of the game compared to dead space fun fact it mostly revolves around just throwing them into some spikes on the wall you know what i don't care because in dead space that was really fucking fun but that's the thing but they could have done a little bit more they could have done and again this is where, like, you know, step it up with a sequel is concerned. And that's where, like, your different melee weapons are done. Like, you can have a melee weapon where it's gimmick is, like, when you hit them hard, they get baseball battered back. Mm-hmm. So you could use it for that. Or, like, you know, just hitting enemy. Like, the fact as well, the fact that you can't hold an enemy in midair with your, like, grip powers and baseball bat them into, the, like, away. Mm-hmm. Why was that not the first thing someone suggested? Of, like, a finishing move if you grab them and then you baseball bat them into the group of enemies. Yeah, because how was that not something people thought of? And they may have done, and they may have just not had enough time to to put it in because they were just like crunching for a couple of years. Yeah. I think I told you as well. Like the the biggest crime is that you've got the psychic power thing, and you can't use this pickle pan out. Mm, and it's like one of the cool, like, coolest things in Dead Space. Like, just I love it. Yep, just grabbing ammo out the air. Yep, being able to go grab boxes and stuff, use the box as a weapon to stun the enemy, yep. then pick the ammo or health pick up out of the box like from a distance as well. Or when you get powered up, you can just rip the enemy's arms off. Oh, like, yeah, you could do that, yeah. So imagine using that to steal guns out of enemy's hands. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine that as a gameplay mechanic of, like, you can just grab guns out of enemy's hands and they've got, then they're forced to fight you hand-to-hand. Because that was like, now you're in my the, nightmare. The coolest, most basic thing in Dead Space was... Well, guess what? Your, your basic, just generic enemy has, like, scythes for hands or one of the basic enemies. Mm-hmm. And you can just pull that scythe off their hand and then shoot it back into them and impale them against the wall with it. Yeah. And the, we we generally just... Just saying, in general, we had that moment where, like, both Bioshock and Dead Space were giving us, like, impale enemies to the wall... And then just very few games since have done it. And I'm like, give us those moments of like just shooting a big stick through an enemy and impaling them into wall. It's cool. The it's biggest cool. yeah, the biggest downgrade in video games recently has been the move away from ragdoll physics. In terms of like <laughs> they want real they want realistic physics. It's like, no, I want ragdoll. Mm. I want like when I grab an enemy with my psychic powers, I want them to fucking cartwheel 
through the air. I want to clip onto the geometry and all their limbs <laughs> to spread out like a mile because that's fucking hilarious. Or or the uh, the Star Wars Force Unleashed engine of just like getting three stormtroopers to grab onto each other as you just wail them around in the air. I imagine being Sam Witwer, who's a huge fucking Star Wars nerd, and telling him we're going to put you in a game where you have a sword and like psychic powers, and he gets to like cosplay as like a Jedi again, and then like. So what's the boss fight I'm going to do? Is he going to be like, do you want to do any um, uh, mocap? So I oh, know you turn into a giant monster that spits bombs. <laughs> what I thought this was a game based on melee. We are, but the final boss, you got to kill it with guns. Because that's the other one as well. The final boss, the only way to kill it is with guns. Oh, Even though the entire game spends like so much time telling you not to use guns because they're useless. And then the final boss needs to be killed with a gun. Which so, yeah. is not upgraded because why would you upgrade your guns when your unbreakable fucking stun button kills everything? Fucking ignores half the game that they've been trying to lean you into, but I mean, yeah. I really hope this game gets a good sequel. And if people are curious, I know that it just recently hit Game Pass. I'm probably gonna go give it a shot at some point on Game Pass, but you know what? Right now, I understand why people wouldn't, because there's a bunch of great games this year that I need to catch up on. And Spider-Man and Mario Bros. Wonder are about to come out as well. What I'd recommend is make it a stream. Just I mean, stream, it, stream it for an evening so you can just see the game, so you can see it. Because once you've played the first two hours, you've played the entire game. So maybe, you know, if enough people in the comments say they'd like to see me stream the Callisto Protocol, I'll give it a shot. I'll, say, I'll turn up and watch you do that because it's that thing of... Lucas, do you like that moment in AAA games where your character sidles his way through a small opening to, to disguise an obvious loading screen? <laughs> there are like 40 of them in the first two hours of a game. Uh, and these are games developed for like the PlayStation 5 and Series X where it's like, we've got better loading times, we won't need to do shit like this, and the first thing they do with every game is put them in. I'm like, no. The best thing is when I try to notice that, if you try and turn around halfway through the entire game crashes because it doesn't expect you to go back and like get resources, <sighs> Just even though it's a fucking survival horror game where you just scrape for resources. You know what? Give me Metroid Prime doors. Done. I'll take it. I don't care that some of those Metroid Prime doors take 10 seconds to open, I'd rather stand there and wait for the door to open than crawl through another one of those fucking gaps. It's not, that's the point where you're like reloading your guns and stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, not in Metroid, but in other games, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, you just like dick around or do some like, some space jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, um, I guess we can take a quick break for Carl to go well, fix, fix his camera. camera yeah. <laughs> and I'll run the toilet and stuff. And then, no uh, problem. Yeah, we'll be back with Carl's wiki. Um, Carl... Just to entice people, what wiki are we talking about for yours? We're talking about some spooky ghosts. We're talking about spooky ghosts? Specifically, there's a specific number of spooky ghosts. Okay, I'm curious, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and for everyone at home, that will be right now. And Carl, before we get on to your wiki, I guess we can just do a bit of housekeeping, and of course, we mentioned earlier that, like, I may end up streaming Callisto Protocol via your suggestion, and if people would like to go follow me over on my Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash legendofcanto. Oh, witness the suffering. <laughs> the which, suffering you know, which also is a pretty fun game to stream. There's a game called The Suffering? I mean, I'm not surprised. It's the one that's set in prison, and I all, it's fun because all of the enemies are based on different methods of being executed. Oh, Right. Because like they're all condemned criminals, so it's like got some. Re- it's one of those games where it's more interesting to look at the behind the scenes than it is to um, actually play it. 
Yeah, and Carl, you have a Twitch as well, don't you? I do, yes. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Carl's Wood. That's Carl S. Wood, all one word. And every now and again, someone goes, <laughs> do you know what that sounds like? It's like, yes, my name. <laughs> and yeah, of course, you know, we um, like to, to bring people these wikis and these podcasts every single week. So, of course, just a reminder, you know, support the channel, subscribe, like, leave reviews, Leave your comment of which wiki won this week. Oh, All so that just, good stuff. I've just quietly added the suffering to the thing because that'd be a fun one for Halloween. <laughs> because like just going through like all of the enemy types in that game. Because like the way that they're, cause I think the one that's most famous is like oh they die by lethal injections. So they've got syringes for eyes. Oh right, one. Is that yeah. enemy and like they're obviously the way they kill you is to like scream in your face and headbutt you. It's a so really strong visual. People after follow us and subscribe to us if they want to see that in the future yeah it's one of those games where people talk about it as if like oh do you know this game what game was really good it's like it wasn't good it was just visually interesting it just had a very cool concept yeah, yeah it had a very good gimmick like, you know what they could bring it back the guys who worked on Callisto protocol could bring it back they're not doing it now <laughs> speaking of bringing it back yeah what wiki have you got for us this week so i have got just the plain old wikipedia page for the film 13 ghosts and this isn't the 13 ghosts from 1960 directed by william castle this is the remake from 2001 which is stylized as thir 13 en ghosts oh one because of it those. The, it's one of them because you can tell lucas the 2000s it's got new metal and it's got the number in the title I think my favourite one of those might be Five Cream. Oh, Scream. Uh, Scream 5 the, was Five Cream. <laughs> and then uh, Fan 4 Stick. That's the other one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. But the reason I want to talk about this is because um, there is... Do you, like, what do you think happens in the movie, Lucas? It's called 13 Ghosts. It's a horror movie. Um, I think the only thing I know about 13 Ghosts is that it doesn't have 13 ghosts in it. Yes, that's the thing. So there actually are 12 <coughs> ghosts in the movie. Also, it was written by James Gunn, uncredited. It's one of those oh, movies right. you can tell that if you go back and watch that. It was very James Gunn-esque quality. Like, there's that camp value to it. Hmm. And I remember it being like savage at the box office. People were like, it's so campy. Like, to see the ghosts, they all wear these stupid fucking plastic goggles. Is that that's so stupid? They're wearing plastic goggles that lets them see ghosts. How does that work? Is that well? Because in the nineteen sixties, like the version in that, the the gimmick was is that you put on like three D glasses, but they both it just had blue in both lenses, oh. and that let, let you see the ghosts. So it's a nod oh, wait, to, like an actual thing in cinemas, like you yeah. actually have so to it was, see the ghosts with these blue lenses. That was the gimmick, yeah. Like basically, what one of the characters would say in the film, quick. Put on your goggles, and the audience will put their, <laughs> put their glasses on, and then you could see the ghost. And that was the gimmick. And that was really cool. I, it was really fun. And like, it's a really fun camp movie. I recommend tracking that. I think 13 Ghosts, you can get it. I think it's on YouTube, or you can like, it's on Prime and stuff like that. I definitely recommend watching mm. it, because even without the gimmick, it's just really fun. It's really campy. I just like absolutely adore like those movies that have to turn to the audience or like put a prompt on screen of like put on your glasses right now yeah not every film can get away with it but i think because it's halloween and people are going there to be scared like you can kind of get away with it can't you and that's what the film was like kind of a reference to like they made it camp on purpose because it's a remake mm -hmm. of a very campy movie and just seemingly no one got it and it got savage at the box office got terrible reviews but 
it does have, like I mentioned, the suffering earlier, very interesting stories because there are 12 ghosts in the movie. If you wonder why it's called 13 Ghosts, is because the plot is they try to bring Tony Shalhoub in. Again, it starts Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lillard. So two of my favorite actors. Mm. They try to like kill Tony Shalhoub and he's the 13th ghost. Spooky. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was thinking, um, is like the protagonist the 13th ghost? Yeah, but there are 12 ghosts in the movie and each of them has a really interesting backstory that is never alluded to in the film. Oh. Yeah, like, oh, they are, but like, very rare. Like, no, it's like all, um, like, done off camera or like through, like, innuendo. But mm-hmm. every ghost, or each of the 12 ghosts that appear in the film, has a fully fleshed out and written backstory. Um, a whole host of like concepts, art, the, um, the production designers and the creature effects crew um, worked tirelessly to give each ghost a distinct, unique look. Right. And then you don't really notice any of it because they never tell you what it is. And it's just, oh, that ghost looks cool. I kind of want to know more about that ghost. Oh, it's dead. Okay. It's gone now. <laughs> So there are, as I mentioned, 12 ghosts. So I just thought, like, rather than talk about the film, because, you know, it's, it's basically it's a haunted house movie. Like, mm-hmm. Tony Shalhoub walks into a house and sees lots of spooky ghosts. You don't really need to know more than that, do you? I mean, I guess not, no. And if you want to go watch it, I'd recommend go watch it. It's like, it's very campy, and the special creature effects are very well done. Matthew Lillard is, like, chewing on the scenery in every scene that he's in. Of course, yeah. And like, I think it, it has a cult following because of how silly it is. And I think something that people have kind of like gone back on in more recent years is going back to these older movies that were panned on release mm. for being too silly because they were released in the 2000s where like cinema was trying to be edgy and cool. Yeah. And now people have gone back with like the gift of hindsight and realized maybe it was written like sarcastically or maybe it's like the satirical element. I think Jennifer's Body's one. Of that got yeah. savaged on release. Like no one got it, and it's like oh, it's like Je- uh, Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Her acting's terrible. It's like yeah, cause it's a piss take. It's a reference to Heather's, which is again mm. like another parody movie that no one really got. Where it's a parody of teen dramas where they just like they make up slang, and to the point where Megan Fox literally wears an outfit inspired by the outfits from Heather's. Right, but no one got it, so they just thought it was bad. It's like no, it's it's they're doing a thing, and you'd you know that thing where people they criticize something, but they haven't done, but because they think they know better, but they've Mm -hmm. it's actually a reference so deep they don't get it. Yeah, and that's thing is like I had not heard about Jennifer's body up until a few years ago, and people were like, oh yeah, Jennifer's body's great movie, great movie, like just you know everybody needs to go watch it. I was like, what is this movie? And it's like, again, yeah, just turns out that at the time, people weren't in the right mindset for that movie. I think, like, the way I describe it is, it's Mean Girls, but people die. Right, yeah. It's that tone. And just, like, no one got it. And, like, and, you know, it's, I don't like the thing, like, you didn't get it, but, like, it's, I think, similar to, like, a more popular example would be, um, like, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Where, like, um, everyone made fun of that because it's, oh, it's not gritty and dark like the Burton movies are. Like the director didn't want to make it gritty and dark. Like you said, we had three movies of that and kids were watching them and the studio wanted to make a movie that was better for kids because kids like Batman. But they, well, you know, the movies weren't really for them. So let's take it back to the tone of the Adam West movies. Mm-hmm. And like, again, with like, you know, people have gone back and like reevaluated them. But, okay, they're not great movies, but they are fun. And they set out it's to like- make a campy, fun Batman romp and they succeeded in that. Yeah, it's they are still bad movies, 
but they aren't quite as bad as we thought because they weren't trying to be Tim Burton movies. They were trying to be follow-ups to, yeah, the Adam West camp Batman. Was that what you said to me earlier, isn't it? Like, now, like, you know, the, the dust has settled and, like, you know, tempers have been tempered. Not like attitudes have been tempered. Let's, like, like take a more critical, objective look at Callisto Protocol. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, like, you know, just following the Tim Burton Batman movies, like, we want more Tim Burton Batman movies. Like, we've already got two of them. Let's make something different. No, we don't want it. It's too different. We don't like it. <laughs> Ten years later, actually, it's really fun. Like, secretly, I really enjoy that one because, you know what? Everyone on it's having fun. Yeah, and it's not a good movie. We're not trying to say that, but there's also a very fun element of watching Arnold Schwarzenegger make awful ice puns all movie. Of course, and that's the thing of, like, judge... And I love the idea of camp value being a thing that people can appreciate now because the 2000s were so devoid of any sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like, new metal. Like, how many movies just ended with, like, the new metal, like, rock thing intro like, with absolutely not a shred of self-awareness about how fucking lame it looked? Yeah. Just fucking Transformers starring Linkin Park. It's yeah, like, and what's that's, going on? That's why I said, like, the fact that this movie was, like, um, ghost-written, ironically enough, by James Gunn. You can really see James Gunn's, like, Joey's um, sarcastic sense of humour coming in, like, his... Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the ghosts. While the backstories for nearly all of the ghosts are not mentioned in the movie whatsoever, they are hinted at and explicitly described in the Ghost Files, a special feature on the DVD with Cyrus, like, you know, the guy who brings everyone to the house and captured them initially, as the narrator. Mm-hmm. With few exceptions, they become... To be, they seem... Sorry. With few exceptions, the ghosts seem to become more dangerous as their number increases. And a lot okay. of people say like these backstories are movies unto themselves. Like there's calls yeah. out there of like make a prequel or a TV show or an anthology series about how these ghosts came to be because each of these backstories, which are meant again, are not mentioned in the film, like they're s- suggested and hinted at, but they're not outright stated. Are entire movies in themselves, or could be like, you know a half an hour episode of a TV show, or they flash- could go down the Saw franchise route. And make 13 awful movies. Well, you know, let's go through them now. So the first one we have is The Firstborn Son. So Billy Michaels was a young boy who loved pretending to be a cowboy. One day, another little ch- um, one day, another child challenges Billy to a duel, but Billy's cap gun was no match for the boy's real steel-tipped arrow that Billy's ghost still carries. That's a spooky ghost. That's, you know, yeah. pretty basic for a backstory. It's like that's, that's campfire ghost story stuff, isn't it? But still, mm-hmm. that's a pretty spooky little ghost. It's a little boy who was killed, like, you know, playing a game. He was playing cowboys and Indians with his friend. And his friend yeah. bought a real gun. And he says that, unlike most of the ghosts, this one is not really a threat, never attacking anyone directly, just saying, I want to play. And again, that's right. a really strong visual, isn't it? Like a little boy, like, he died just playing a game and he wants to keep playing the game. Mm-hmm. Then we have The Torso, played by Daniel Wesley, which I'm mentioning because he is an actual, like, um, uh, amputee in real life. And he's just a torso. So Jimmy, the gambler Gambino, was a gambler as you might expect, in the early 1900s, who caught the attention of the Mafia. The Mafia. The Mafia. After he <laughs> lost a boxing bet and didn't have the money to pay up, the Mafia cut him into pieces and wrapped him in cellophane, dumping the pieces oh. into the ocean. His ghost appears as simply a torso with a severed head nearby. And again, oh, a yeah, really strong visual of just like, you know, these living, a living torso. Mm-hmm. That's like moving around and like begging for help. So it's not, not yeah. a threat, but a very disturbing visual. Mm-hmm. And the visual is very, very cool. So the Bound Woman, played by Laura Minnell. Uh, Susan Ligro was the richest girl in town and was very popular in school. 
Her one flaw was the way she flirted and toyed with all the boys and men, leaving a long trail of broken hearts and um, spurned lovers. During her senior prom night, Chet Walters, a star quarterback, caught Susan cheating on him with another boy. The next day, the boy was found de- beaten to death and Susan had gone missing. Susan was found dead two weeks later, buried in the 50-yard line of the high school's football field. Her ghost lures Bobby into a dangerous basement and still shows her in her prom attire, bound ropes holding her arms. Yeah, again, like, pretty grim. Just, yeah, again, you know, I get it, but, like, promiscuous teens will be promiscuous teens. It's just, yeah. like... You don't need to be murdered for it. Well, that's again, you can see that as like, you know, a cheesy, like, you know, Halloween movie, can't mm-hmm. you? Of like, did you know that there's a girl who died on this football field 50 years ago tonight? Yeah. And like the battle, again, it's a really strong visual. If anyone wants to go like look up like what these ghosts look like, the, the imagery of like young girl in a prom dress with her hands bound with like all like the ghost makeup on is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I can see that being the, the spooky ghost in a horror movie. That's like, you know, made for like five million and farted out at Halloween to get like, you know, um, a teenager to go watch it. Here we have The Withered Lover, played by Catherine Anderson. So Jane Criticos was a happy and devoted wife and mother. She, desi- she died as a result of fire injuries at a hospital half a year before the events of the film. So this is like what lures in the guys. It's like, oh no, it's his wife. Hmm. So unlike most of the ghosts, she's not dangerous. She's benevolent. Then we have The Torn Prince. Royce Clayton was a gifted and famous teenage baseball player of the 1950s who caught the eye of colleges around the USA. He died in a drag race thanks to his challenger, a greaser who cut his brake lines. His remains are still buried at the baseball diamond and his ghost carries a baseball bat. And against the name The Torn Prince. Mm -hmm. So good in it. I love the idea of a ghost walking around trying to beat you with a baseball bat. It's terrifying, isn't it? It's like, it's such a simple visual, but just, it's a ghost, but he's going to beat you to death with a baseball bat. It's terrifying. <laughs> then we have the angry princess. Um, uh, Dana Newman was a beautiful but abused woman who lived in the late 20th century. She had many plastic surgeries to alter her perceived flaws. After a botched experiment mutilated her eye, she brutally killed herself in a bathtub at the clinic. Her ghost is bloody naked and carries the same knife she used to commit suicide. And again, a really strong visual. And it's just mm-hmm. like this, her face is like horribly mutilated with all like the different scars and stuff. She carries a knife. Oh, God. And she has like a permanent like smile stitched into her face. And they have like the classic imagery you get in like a horror movie of like, you know, a person looking in the mirror and they don't see her. And it's really strong because like that, again, a nod to the, um, the previous one, like she can't see the ghost, but you, the audience can. And it's just this horrifying visual, just this terrifying-looking, gaunt-ass ghost with all this surgery done to its face just stood behind the woman who doesn't see it. And it's so fucking tense. Here we have the Pilgrimess. Um, Isabella Smith came to North America as a colonist in order to find a new life after being an orphan in England. The tight-knit community ostracized and ignored her and used her as a scapegoat being accused of witchcraft when crops and animals mysteriously uh, died. She denied such accusations, but she was trapped in a burning barn but managed to escape unharmed. That sealed her fate as she died of starvation after being condemned to the pillory that she carries with her as a ghost. Her skin is still badly damaged as a result of the burns. So again, you think of that visual, can't you? Just like ghosts in a pillory. Mm-hmm. Like with all the burn flesh running towards you. Yeah, the, these kind of ones where like, we're getting more serious. I'm like, this kind of shit is why I don't watch horror films. But, but also as well, like that's the kind of thing you need of like a, the idea of like a ghost coming back to haunt you. There needs mm-hmm. to be a reason why the ghost is still. Because that's generally like ghost lore, isn't it? Of there's something that keeps them tethered 
to the earth instead of like moving on to the afterlife. Like they either died mm-hmm. in a way that was unsatisfying or a, a great result of, um, or a result of like great um, uh, emotional distress. It's um, like normally like murder victims and stuff like still haunt places because like they died in a way that was unnatural. That's one thing I do appreciate about the sounds of this film is that, you know, you said one one ghost was from like six months ago. Yeah. And it's not that every single ghost is like this ancient, like 300 year old ghost that hasn't seen its life fulfilled yeah. and all this. It's like, no, sometimes we can have modern ghosts. Mm hmm. The Great Child. Harold Shelburne was a mentally disabled man who never outgrew diapers and had to be spoon-fed even as a fully grown adult man. He often made baby sounds. After being mocked, teased, and tormented relentlessly all of his life, he caused a massacre at the old freak show where he and his mother, Margaret Shelburne, lived. Some of the freaks had kidnapped and killed his mother as a joke. The circus owner Jimbo had Harold mutilated beyond recognition. His ghost appears as Harold did in life, with a small patch of hair, a bib covered in vomit, and a cloth diapers. He still used the axe that he used to kill his enemies all those years ago. Yeah, again, sounds like another strong visual. But then you have the dying mother, so they died together. So Margaret mm. Shelburne, Harold's mother, was a shy and little old lady standing barely more than three feet tall. She could never stand up for herself. At the freak show where she lived, she was raped by the tall man, a giant circus freak, and gave birth to her illegitimate son, Harold, who she loved more than life itself. She smothered and spoiled him from infancy and never stopped as he grew. This is the main reason for Harold's mental handicap, because he was never able to mature. She treated him like mm-hmm. a baby his entire life. The two were abused to the point where Harold killed almost the entire circus after Margaret died. As ghosts, they remained together, with Harold being quite protective of his mother. And again, it's like just a strong visual, like this tiny, emaciated, three-foot-tall woman. Mm-hmm. And like Being this giant, like eight-foot-tall like... baby ghost. Mm-hmm. And then the final two. Oh, let's the final three. And this is like one of the ones that I think this could be an entire movie. The Hammer. Mm. A happy and honest family man and blacksmith in the early 1890s, George Mark Haley was falsely accused of stealing by a higher-up named Nathan and threatened with exile from that old western town. Knowing he was innocent, George stood up to Nathan and refused to leave. One day, when George's family was walking home from market, Nathan and his gang of thugs attacked and killed them brutally. Enraged, George took his blacksmith's hammer, tracked down Nathan and his friends, and beat them to death. But the town folk chained him to a tree outside the blacksmith's shop and drove railroad spikes into his body. His oh, left hand was cut off and his hammer crudely attached to it. His ghost is one of the more angry spirits and he's partially responsible for a character's death. And you probably don't need to like, clarify um, uh, the hammer is black and his family get lynched. But you don't know that in the film, but the visual, when they're doing the talking about it, they have like the, this really haunting visual of like, you know, this blacksmith just like on his knees crying as like the, his lynched family. And then you have like the revenge story if he just picks up his blacksmith's hammer and beats all of the criminal, the people who did it to death with a hammer. Mm. And it's just one of those things like, that could be a movie. I'd yeah. watch that movie. There's like the revenge flick of like a blacksmith with a blacksmith's hammer, like, you know, killing a bunch of like um, uh, racists. Mm-hmm. in Old West Town. I could watch that movie. God. Yeah, some of these just like... They get more, again, har- yeah, they get more harrowing I'm, as they go I, along. I don't do horror much at all, folks. Like, yeah. So movie we have second to last, uh, The Jackal. Born to a prostitute in 1887, uh, Ryan Coon developed a sick appetite for women, attacking and raping strays and prostitutes in the night. Seeking to be cured of his insatiable horrendous appetite he voluntarily committed himself to an asylum for treatment but after years of solitary confinement he went completely insane scratching the wall so violently his fingernails were torn completely off 
In response, the doctors kept him permanently bound in a straitjacket, tying it tighter whenever he acted out, contorting his limbs in an unnatural manner. So you can already see the visual cut of his mm. limbs all unnaturally contorted. Um, uh, while there, he developed a hatred of humanity, screaming madly and cowering whenever approached by anyone. Um, where the asylum burst into flames, he chose to stay behind and perish in the fire while everyone else escaped. God. Yeah. He chooses to like let himself die because he knows he's a monster. Um, his ghost carries a torn straight jacket with a torn cubic head cage. Oh. So it's like his head was put into a cage to stop him from biting people. And again, super strong visual. And finally, the Juggernaut. Horace Breaker Mahoney was born very disfigured and was an outcast his entire life. His mother abandoned him at a... We've done a wiki page on this guy before. That's not what the juggernaut <laughs> is. His mother abandoned him at a tender age and his dad put him to work in the junkyard, using his unusual strength and size to crush cars. After his dad died, Horace went insane. He would take motorists and hitchhikers, tear them apart with bare hands, and feed the remains to his dogs. After several of these murders, he was arrested by a SWAT team, shot and killed when he broke free of his handcuffs. As a ghost, he remained in the junkyard with body riddled with bullet holes, killing any intruders. And again, yeah. that's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Of like, and you can see it in your head, can't you? Like a horror movie set in a junkyard. Oh yeah, yeah. Like with a guy who rips you apart with bare hands and feeds to his dogs. Like you can, I can already see the visuals in my head. Like and this is a backstory they never tell times, you about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many times like in movies they do it, but it's quite a common trope to go through like the the spooky junkyard in video games at least. Yeah, nice scary That's spooky it. video games. Not all of them are great, but I say there's at least five passable 6 out of 10 Halloween movies there as you say there's not many that like definitely make good Halloween movies but there's concepts maybe more of a an anthology TV show might work yeah like just some of those like so strong like that hammer like the hammer one mm-hmm. is like that is such a and as well you never find that out but you watch like the DVD section and they're talking about it and they have like all the concept art and it's like just this just this hulking black dude with like a blacksmith hammer beating like clansmen to death it's like, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. I don't want the ending to be the same, but I'd watch that movie. And it is a shame that none of it makes it into the movie. Well, I think people have, like, reviews of... It's, like the DVD, it's from that era where DVDs were actually worth buying for all the extra stuff you'd get. They're, like, mm-hmm. extended cuts and, di- like, different endings. People have said, like, the backstory to these ghosts is better than the movies. Yeah. Like, the 10-minute special feature section on the ghosts is scarier than the movie. I just thought it was interesting. I was talking about the 12 different ghosts. <laughs> and the fact that... Um, uh, oh, he's up here, just as anyone wondering. So in August 2023, so just a month or so ago, um, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Castle Entertainment said they are planning to make a 13-ghost television series. There we go. And do yeah. you know what? Make it 13 episodes long. And you you can bet your ass they're going to fumble this and it's not going to be anything to do with the ghosts. It's going to be seven episodes long. So if they were what if they were good, they'd make it thirteen episodes long, and every episode would be a different time period, exploring the ghosts. But what it'll likely be is a remake of the movie split into six episodes. Yeah, and it'll suck. But it's a shame because like, I would watch like an anthology series of like just like it's called 30, it's just loosely connected of like ghosts. Mm-hmm. And like have the first episode be like a guy talking about like you're in my house, so where do these ghosts come from? Well, let me tell you a story. Story one, bam, flashback. Next episode, it should just be flashback. the movie, but every time before like 
the ghost kicks off is like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Tell me your backstory. I know it's like the cardinal sin of like horror movies to explain the backstory of the monster, but I feel you get away with it in ghost movies because you kind of need to know why the ghost is there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the don't... entire premise of ghosts is that they have something that like they Tethers still need to hang around for. Like, don't tell me the backstory of the alien. Don't tell me the backstory of like Freddy or Jason. But I want to mm-hmm. know why a ghost is here because that could be quite scary. Well, yeah, it kind of takes away half of the premise of ghosts if you don't know what they're there for. Yeah, if it's just a spooky ghost, it might as well be a demon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I look forward to seeing if that series ever like comes to fruition because I'm a big fan of horror. I adore like anthology horror movies and series. Well, you better hope that it's not written in the middle of those writers' strikes that happened. <sighs> to be fair, even if it's bad, it'll probably still be all right. Like, at least, at least, you know, that was only a few months and we can hope that ma- not not many projects had, like, been scabbed together. But at the very least, though, if it's bad, it'll be entertaining. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's what the beauty of horror, of, like, even when it's bad, it's still kind of good because then it becomes camp. Yeah. Very few, like, genres actually get the, that, like, basically they get the freebie of if it's bad, it's funny bad. Because mm-hmm. like, if it's not scary, then it's like, now it's funny. Whereas if like, you know, a, an action movie has bad action, it doesn't really, it doesn't get that benefit of the doubt, does it? It's like, well, it just, it sucks. It has no value now. So I can't remember what um, movie it was that I looked up for a clip because you, you'd mentioned a film and then I ended up finding like clearly the wrong film. <laughs> and it was like this Spanish movie that's rated like two out of 10 on IMDb. And it's like 60 minutes long and the creature at the end is just like some fucking little like cardboard boxes thrown together. And it was it was just one of the most awfully shot and acted things I've ever seen in my life. But then I ended up watching like five minutes of the ending because it was just like, what is going on here? Do you know what? Send me that movie. I'll, I'll I'll have to try and remember what it was. But. Okay, so I guess I can end like so as an example of what I said. I watched recently with a friend of mine because like she also loves horror movies. We've like every week been meeting up and watching bad horror movies. Mm-hmm. The one we watched most recently is called Elevate Again. Okay, and, and one of these, and when you look at a movie and you can just tell exactly when it was written. Hmm. So Elevate Again. Like, Lucas, the gimmick is, it's some streamers, some content creators. So already I'm in. I'm sold already. Oh, no. And they are playing this horror game, or this game called the Elevator Game. And already Mm. you can see the inspirations, can't you? Of like, okay, Bloody Mary has been a thing that's existed for decades. We Mm. know about Bloody Mary. It's just an extension of that. And their thing is, is like, if you go in an elevator in a building that has at least 10 floors, and you go to all these floors in order, but then close your eyes for the last, like, you know, one, it'll open up a portal to hell. And you know, okay. that sounds pretty geek, like, okay, that that could work. The problem is, is that the actual act of playing the elevator game takes 10 minutes. Because obviously you have to see oh. them go to every individual floor. And it takes so long to do that your suspension of disbelief is immediately just destroyed by the fact of like, okay, I get if this was like a game, but she's live streaming it. And it's like, mm-hmm. who would watch a 10 minute live stream of someone pressing buttons on an elevator? <laughs> I mean I guess people have streamed less interesting things I guess but then you also have the bit as well of it's like okay and you're watching it and you start to fix the movie in your head 
That's what mm-hmm. me and my friend were doing. We were trying to fix the like the movie in our head because they clearly had one thing that was good, and it was the girl playing the like evil ghost is mm. a contortionist in real life. Like, we looked it right. up, and, like she's a professional contortionist slash ballerina, so she's able to like you know run backwards with her arms contorted towards the screen. That's mm-hmm. a really good visual. Do you know what's not a good visual? Someone stood in an elevator going. <laughs> And, like, they don't even do the thing you'd expect them to do of the jump scare fake out of, like, pressing a button and like, she got her eyes closed and the door opens and you expect someone walk in and be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, or, yeah. like you know, security guard. And what makes it even weirder, the entire film is set during the day. Oh. So, do you know what? They go into an, they find an old abandoned building that has, like, an elevator in it. They go mm-hmm. in, it's the middle of the fucking day. And they're going up and down in the elevator during the day with like light streaming through the window. And I just said to my friend, I went, if they just set this at night, this would be like easily 85% more scary. Because they have a mm-hmm. moment where like a security guy's like looking through the window. It's like, now imagine if it was at nighttime and you get like, you know, a, a shaft of like light from a torch coming through the window and they've got to duck down mm-hmm. and, they've, and, they, and they don't know where their friends are. They have to like, you know, close their screens because obviously they're streaming it. They have to close their screens so they don't make any light. And then when they open them up, their friends are gone. Because that's what I'd have done if I was like, you know, just making a cheap horror movie, just set it at night mm. and they set it during the day. And instead, it's just like, instead of having to like close their screen so they lose sight of their friends, it's just like they just don't look at them. And it's like, oh yeah. God, they could have done it. And just, yeah, it sucked ass. Reception, 4.8 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I like, that thing is, again, I don't do much horror, so I, I either way, whether it's like good or bad horror, mm-hmm. I tend to just avoid it. But yeah, it, it does fascinate me that, as you say, like the horror genre kind of gets away with like bad movies being bad, and not not necessarily like to critical success or anything, but mm-hmm. a lot of those like bad, like actually bad horror movies, at least end up like with cult status on streaming services or DVDs or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, I'm also looking and at all. The person who wrote it is 43 years old, has been working at Fangoria magazine hmm. as, like, an editor. So Fangoria, like, the horror magazine. And she directed a horror movie and set it during the fucking day. <laughs> so, like, when we were watching it, it's like, this has to be written by, like, this has got to be, like, a 20-year-old dude who thinks he's smarter than he is. Mm-hmm. And it's, no, it's written by a 43-year-old woman who's been involved with horror for, like, decades, and she didn't make the movie set it at night. I guess it's easier to shoot during the day. I guess it is. They didn't have the equipment. But then again, half the, the rest of the film's at night. Uh, but just the bit where they're actually playing the elevator game is during the day. Dear, oh dear. They also like the oh, best well. actress in it is the one they kill off right at the start. So you're, you're, for a film like this, you want someone who's good at screaming or acting scared. The mm. opening scene feels like it was shot by a different crew because it's really mm. atmospheric and like they do the best of what they've got. Like Joe, she's like pressing the button. They have like lots of like B-roll of like the really old creaky elevator. You have like loads of like just panning shots of like you know how creaky and old this elevator is and the girl playing like the girl who dies in the opening. You've always got to die in the opening of a horror movie. He's mm. really good at playing scared. Like, she, like, genuinely actually terrified, and then all the rest of the actors are shit. 
It's like, we'll get one of the shit actors to do that and get her for the rest of the yeah. movie because she's really good. She's really good at pretending to be scared. Get her in. But then again, like we still watch the entire movie and get it four stars. Because it was yeah. fun to shit on. Don't so watch that I'm movie. curious. Is it one specific elevator that can lead you to hell, or is it any? It's elevator? any elevator. Okay. And like, and clearly, like they did their homework and they thought, okay, so it needs to be like a series of steps that would be unable to be replicated. Because that's the idea behind like Bloody Mary, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. and what's the other one? Um, uh, Candyman. It's got to be so. Yeah. It's got to be a series of actions that no one would naturally do by accident. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you got to stand in an elevator and press this specific series of buttons and like close your eyes for like the last one. And it's like, okay, fair enough, but you've got to go to like 12 different floors. And while yeah. you're watching them do it, you think, okay, so what you do is you have to fake out. Because I'm watching my friend, I'm like, this is where you do the fake out. Because there's the one guy who's like, they fake all their stuff. You have the guy mm. who's the skeptic. You have him like laughing and joking about it. Like, oh, look. But it's not really that scary. And you have like the elevator like stop suddenly. And then you have him mm. get scared. And then like you have the fake out. It's just like a guy who pressed the button to call the elevator. And it's like, oh, see, it's ruined now. But no, it's just that you're just a static shot of two people in an elevator for 15 minutes. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, dear. Um, the fact that they didn't, call, like, they didn't even call it Devilator. So mad. <laughs> Don't watch that game. Don't watch it. Don't watch Elevator Game. It sucks ass. No, it doesn't sound very interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess we can just like you know don't (sighs) we can just end it on don't don't watch that elevator game. Oh God, my cold's coming in. Yeah, I won't recommend it. It's it's not even funny. Bad. It's just it's frustrating. But then again, if anyone out there is like a burgeoning like movie buff or just likes to break down movies, it's worth watching to go through and like make suggestions what you do to fix it. I can't wait for Carl's eight-hour YouTube breakdown of Elevator Game. Well, I say I love like watching stuff because like, people always ask like, "Why do you watch all these shit movies?" Or like, they ask, like "Have you not watched Ahsoka yet?" And it's like, "No, because it sucks." And I was like, "Why do you watch these <laughs> terrible movies?" And says like, "Because those terrible movies, when I talk about them, people are at least interested to know what it is." Because like, oh wait, I've not heard about this movie. Tell me more. Whereas it's like Ahsoka is like people have already made up their mind on all the big stuff, so they either they either love it or they hate it. And any and discussion well, is very it, binary. It's- Often a lot more interesting to to watch like a four out of ten than it is a six or seven out of ten. Yeah, and I've not seen Ahsoka. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that a lot of the time, watching something that's very bad is more interesting than watching something that's like kind of good. You also got to remember that I'm a content creator, so there's one aspect talking about the popular thing can get you can get you like some some eyeballs, but then when you talk about the popular thing, everyone's already talking about the popular thing. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about Elevator Game. No one's talking about probably, 13 Ghosts. Probably for good reason. Ah, it's fine. It's but fine. It's fine. Someone out there is their favourite movie. Someone's favourite Pokemon is always Finneon. It's always Finneon. <laughs> um, the premise is always like the ghost. She got crushed by an elevator. And I just remember I turned to my friend and went, that can't happen. And she went, I know. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen like elevators don't crush people who are stuck below them that's just not how it works mm-hmm. maybe the elevator also you know broke and 
fell down and crashed. No. That's the thing. It's not even Maybe a specific elevator. Snapped. Yeah, that's the one. It's not even a specific elevator that did it. They say it's any elevator. It's like, at least say it's this one specific haunted elevator that, in an abandoned building that like, no one goes to anymore. I was like, so it's just like any, any elevator. It's like, it's so bizarre. And they have a guy who lives in like a fancy swanky apartment because he's a YouTube content creator. And you're like, mm. he like, ha- he gets haunted in his fancy swanky elevator. It's like, this isn't scary. Yeah. Say it's one elevator in one building. Say it goes to hell if you do a specific sequence of things, and the building's abandoned. And like, the make building it a got abandoned because she died in this horrific accident. And then you have people saying, "No, it's not fake. It's no. It was a. It was an industrial accident. It was an. It was a tragedy. It's been shot. It's mm. been condemned." It's like so. Why is the elevator? And it's like you can. You see, you're doing it with me, aren't you? you? You're writing a better movie in your head. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me that someone who's like been invested in interested in horror for twenty years gets a chance to make their horror movie, and they make such basic mistakes. So the fact that it's not one elevator baffles me. The fact they film it during the day, during the day, <laughs> during the day. I will say the most realistic part though is the uh, the content creators are sponsored, and they just say our sponsor sucks. Like as soon as the camera, oh, yeah. as soon as the camera turns off, like this fucking sponsor sucks ass. <laughs> and we are happy to tell you that our sponsor, in fact, is great. Now our sponsor and is Carl, ourselves. Well, no, I was about to say, Carl, what's our sponsor? And you meant to pick up your little wiglet that's on the desk. Oh yeah, wiglet. That's our spon- sponsored by wiglet. Sponsored by wiglet. Not the Pokemon company or anything. Just, just wiglet. That one wiglet. This one wiglet. Look at that. Cheers, everybody.